never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Mark My Words and Today, I have a really fun guest lined up for us. You may know him as the Awkward Career founder and owner. However, he is known as much more than that. He is a father, a friend, a lover, a leader, an explorer, a believer, a writer, a listener, a reader, a sharer, but most of all, Andy Vargo of Awkward Career is an author, life coach, motivational speaker, and comedian. And I know for a fact, just the fact that he left that awesome mustache on his face, we're going to have a real good time today. Andy, welcome to Mark My Words. How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on and for that great introduction. That was awesome. I plan these things out like how can I make this episode different than all the other episodes I've done and that my friend is how I did it so welcome to the show today as always we're going to talk a little bit career transition entrepreneurship maybe we'll hear a few jokes and witty comments from my guests and maybe we'll learn a little bit about being awkward, which is something I know a lot about myself. I mean, if you're the founder and CEO of Awkward Career, I've got to be like a VP or, you know, something in there, at least an executive vice president or something like that. I'm somewhere in there. Yeah, you're definitely in the C-suite, right? You've got the (laughs) You've got the high level position. Like I've earned this. I've got to get it right. <laughs> I totally. And listening to your show and the way that you kind of highlight, okay, talk about something awkward that happened to you and you know how that helped define like your life or whatever. I, I think that's a really cool concept. I mean, how not put the cart before the horse. Cause I usually like kind of, work up into what people where people are today but I have to ask what inspired you to come up with the awkward concept because it's such a cool unique concept and I feel like I should have come up with it myself except for the fact that I think you do it a lot a lot better oh well well thanks Mark I you know originally I I had always wanted to be an author and a speaker, and I was working on a book, which I still haven't finished writing. I've written others, but this one I haven't finished yet, and it was going to be called The Awkward Interview, and, it, and I'm still working on it. It'll be out one of these years, but uh, it's all about uh, those things you don't want to talk about in an interview and how to get through that moment. But when I was working on that, I decided, well, I'll go with that, and I'll, I'll make my website Awkward Career, and as I move forward a little bit, I had a friend make a comment to me about, oh, you got to, you know, I can't tell with your videos if you're trying to be awkward or if you're trying to be funny or serious or where you're going with it. And he said, I think you just need to kind of step into it and really own it. And so when I started my podcast, I kind of had that in the back of my head and I started using own your awkward as uh, what I would use for my title and my tagline. And that took off way more than awkward career, which is what my website is. And so I just, ever since then, everything I have done has been about helping people identify how they own their awkward, how they live their best life, not just in spite of the things they're insecure about, but because of them. It's like, this is the thing that I feel awkward about. And that's what makes me awesome. And it's, people just love it. It's been 
it's been eye-opening for me every time I talk to somebody to learn more and it's helped me own my awkward even more. So I just, it was somewhat by accident, but that's how life is, right? It's like, it just fit at the moment. That's exactly how it is because on this show, especially this year, having all these variety of guests and people that I'm meeting for the first time, it's like some people just say, oh, well, you know, it just kind of, I, I guess nobody's actually saying it fell on their lap, but it almost kind of feels like, boy, that idea just fell right on their lap. They weren't like passionate about XYZ career. I mean, mm-hmm. did you have any kind of passion for being awkward? I know that's kind of an <laughs> awkward question, but. Yes. You know, it's funny because if you asked me when I was a kid, I never thought I'm going to be the awkward guy. And even 10 years ago when I was in my sales career, I never thought I'm going to leave with awkward. That seems like a good thing to do. Like I want to be the weird owl of the business world. Like that is not anything that I thought I wanted to do or be my life. However, uh, I would say it fell in my lap more like the way that rain falls in your lap, just one drop at a time. And all of a sudden your pants are soaking wet. Uh, that's a bad analogy, but you know, <laughs> it's just like every little thing just landed and started to come together where, where, you know, one day it was, oh, this makes sense for the podcast. And then that makes sense for life coaching. And how do I lead that in a message? And when I write in my blogs, how do I bring that message out? And I guess for me, what happened is, as I started sharing, you know, what I believe that people need to know to, in order to live their best life. Uh-oh, I wonder if I lost Andy already. He's, has his connection dropped on me? Well, if it has... Oh, there he is. You got me back? I got you back. I filled All in right. the time. That, you know, that's an, the best part about my brand is it's own your awkward. And so at any time, I can just be like, well, that was awkward, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, and you know, that just adds an extra awkward flavor to the show we meant to do that so right exactly (laughs) we got to run with it oh i'm running with it (laughs) so what i feel like in one of the episodes of your podcast that i listened to you kind of talk about like or somebody talked about oh you know you don't ever grow up thinking like you're aspiring to be different or awkward and I for one know just living the life that I've lived I never aspired to be awkward or different but that's essentially what you know winds up happening sometimes so for you growing up with you know I don't know if I want to say that mentality but or even label I don't even know how to like define it exactly but just maybe with that feeling would probably be the right way to put that and you can correct me if you don't like that but uh just with that notion that feeling what was a career or something that you dreamt about doing was it something that was a little bit different or was it something a little more ordinary well you know i've I really thought about that a lot because when I think about what I wanted to be when I was growing up, I really couldn't identify what that thing was, what that career would be, but I was always really intrigued by people who could get up on stage and motivate a whole room of people and who were leaders and giving great speeches, but I didn't see just talking as a career path. You know, as much as I talk and run my mouth, I couldn't see how you make that a career and, and I didn't. I wasn't exposed to the world of people who were truly motivational speakers as a, as a business for a living. So I didn't even see that as a career path. And as I started my career early on, I knew I wanted to share stories and and motivate people, but I never felt like I had a story worth sharing. Okay. I, I didn't live on the streets. I don't have this abusive background. I didn't have these things that you hear people who go to prisons and talk about, you know, getting out of gangs and all this stuff. But what I realized when I started blogging and opening up more was that people are going to connect with your story wherever it is because it meets them where they are. It doesn't have to be 
so big and so dramatic. And in fact, sometimes those are the hardest things for people to get over because they, they diminish it a little bit and you, you minimize what you're going through when you compare it to other people. You say, well, I don't have this terminal illness, so I really shouldn't complain, but you still need some motivation and some help to, to be okay with that. It almost sounds like you might have had a little bit of like imposter syndrome, like, oh, you know, maybe I'm just not interesting enough. My life, for all the things that make me unique, I actually have kind of like an ordinary life. Would you say that's true? Oh, it definitely is. And I I tell you, I did not understand imposter syndrome uh, until I met Melissa Hughes, who, who just recently gave a TED talk about that. And she was on my podcast. Oh, you had something so good to say, and we dropped again. So let's see if he, there he is. Yeah, but I am sorry about that. I don't know. I don't usually have internet issues, so. It's all good. Uh, Hey, I just filled the time. I think that my internet is still on vacation. I was on vacation last weekend. I think it stayed there. But, uh, but I was, I was mentioning Melissa Hughes, who, who just gave a TED talk on imposter syndrome. And she was on my podcast. And I can't remember if it was during the podcast or when we were catching up before or after. But she was telling me how the first time she gave the biggest talk she had given, and there were 500 people there. And afterwards, she's just feels awful because of her imposter syndrome. And she said, but you know what, Andy, the more successful you are, the more driven you are, the more likely you are to have imposter syndrome happen. And so that really helped me reframe that imposter feeling because I still have it all the time. But when I do, I can say, yes, I'm making it because there's that imposter syndrome right on schedule. I must be successful. I must be doing things right because that's a, that's a, um, a symptom of success. And so that helps me get through that moment because it still is there all the time where as soon as we, and, and it's natural for everybody, as soon as we start to uh, put ourselves out there, we automatically come up with that list of why everybody should say that we shouldn't be out there. And it's a, it's a protective mechanism for us to be kind of prepared for the bullies in life. But unfortunately, we're usually the biggest bully on the playground to ourselves. Oh, I definitely was the big burly bully to myself. I spent many years just dreaming about doing things like this. Like, I feel like I really wanted to connect with people and speak and talk about my life and do all these things. But I just was like, you know what? I was born with cleft lip and palate. I sound funny. I don't look the part. Nobody's going to want to listen or watch my content or whatever it is that I'm doing. I, years and years I wasted with that mentality. And then luckily I met people who started giving me positive feedback and encouraging me because my career path for as much as I may have wanted to be out there, I chose a broadcasting major. And I'm like, no, nobody's ever going to want me to be their weatherman or, you know, their anchor. Nobody's going to want to listen to me. So I I was like, you know what? I'm going to be behind the camera. I'm going to be behind the audio console, whatever it is. And that mentality, even though... I am a little bit more of an extrovert than I gave myself credit for. I live with that imposter syndrome for years. And I, I hate to come on here and say, well, I'm cured. I don't have that anymore. Cause right. really the encouragement that I've gotten, I've just gone and run with it, but it's still there. It doesn't go away. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It, it doesn't disappear we learn different ways, I think, to manage it and to not let it hold us back. It's like that dog that's on the leash that's, you know, you go to the park, the dog is still on the leash, but it learns where it can, where it can work around that. And I, I think that what you said too about, you know, kind of you protect yourself. You say, well, I don't want to be in this space. I don't want to be vulnerable with this thing that I feel awkward about. And so I'm going to limit my dreams. I'm going to limit my ability for the success that I want to have in certain areas 
to protect myself from potential failure or embarrassment or whatever it is. And yet, once you start sharing your podcast, getting in, getting on the other side of the camera like you are now, there has to be people. I know there are people who love hearing a different voice, who love hearing someone who comes from a different angle, who has that different background and who isn't just, well, all the guys that are doing the weather look the same. They sound the same. They use the same terminology. At some point that just gets boring. Right. No, I totally agree with you. And I don't know why I picked weatherman or I guess nowadays it's not weatherman. They want a meteorologist. Oh, so right. You, you gotta have all the skills and paying the bills. Now it's not just, I'm thinking of like 30 years ago, 40 years ago in my hometown, you know, Dave Roberts, he was the weatherman. He wasn't a meteorologist. He didn't mm -hmm. have a background in, you know, the science of weather. But I'm getting off on a tangent. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, it's, 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 but it's fine. It's true, though, because I, I think that uh, even in careers, as we see people with different levels of expertise come on board, whether it's, oh, you just had to know how to say what was on the teleprompter, and now you actually have to know the science of it. Uh, that's intimidating when you are in that world where you don't have those credentials or you don't know how long it's going to take to get them. And, and that everyone's just trying to do their best job. And a lot of times we take it personally, like it's the world stacked against us, but in reality, it's just, that's just the game. And we gotta, we gotta play as best we can. I totally agree with that. And speaking of playing the game the best you can, let's talk a little bit about your, Path. I, I love talking about other people's like path and what why they got into the field they were in. And I see that you it looks like you tried out a couple different things. Like you uh were you worked as a bakery manager and you worked as a merch manager. What what inspired all of these uh you know, for as much as you're unique and, you know, your brand is awkward, a lot of these things are like the opposite. They're not unique. That's, that's true. So, if, <laughs> yeah, if you're looking at my background on my, my LinkedIn profile and stuff like that, and you look at my job history, you know, I started out in grocery and then I went into the uh, grocery and the coffee industry was kind of overlapped and then went into sales in the grocery and food service business selling packaging and all of those decisions and all of that career was simply based on security. It was just based on, okay, what's a job I can get that I can start. And, you know, I started out in grocery and I, it was a lot of fun. It was great experience. I'm not knocking that at all. However, I didn't have any vision as to if there were no boundaries, what would I go for? And so I got into that and, and went as far as I could in my career and on paper, everything looked great and I was making good money was married with three kids. I had a house and a rental. And, and, you know, if you looked at my life on paper, it was great. However, you know, when you look a little further, the marriage wasn't the best relationship. I couldn't be the best father to my kids because I wasn't being honest with myself about who I was. Uh, you know, my career, I was unsatisfied in. I didn't feel like I was contributing the way I wanted to, to the world. So, uh, you know, when I was 40, I knew if I didn't make some changes in life, then I wasn't ever gonna be happy and I wasn't and if I couldn't be happy myself I couldn't be the best father to my kids I couldn't be the best person that I needed to bring to the world so that you know turned into uh, getting divorced coming out of the closet that then led to uh, losing my job in that industry and having that kind of that aha moment of you know what you keep changing jobs or changing careers and you're going from Sprite to seven up to Sierra mist. And you wonder why the flavor is always the same. And at some point it was, you know, a lot of times when we're making changes, we try to mi minimize the change as much as possible for our own security. And the problem I was having was that I wasn't making a big enough change. So that's when I said, I've always wanted to be a speaker. I've always wanted to be an author. Now's the time to just make it happen and do it. And as soon as I stopped being motivated by, maintaining as much security as I could in my life and really just taking that risk. That's when that awkwardness started to really come together. And it, you know, it's not the way I would recommend starting a business. Don't wait to start a business till after you are out of work 
start it, start building. Oh, and he had something so good to say there. There you are. All right. Well, I'm just saying I did it all wrong. I don't recommend it. However, I think that was the path I needed to go down in order to, to really live that awkward lifestyle and make it be well, as beneficial. I don't necessarily think there's a right or a wrong way to get your career start. You know, obviously you'd like to have some kind of a job and income. And that's basically what I'm trying to do now. I have a job that I go into. The hours are usually pretty straightforward, not a lot of change. And while I'm doing that, I'm trying to build up my brand and I'm trying to do everything the way you should, but I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure somewhere along the line, I should be doing something that I shouldn't be doing. I don't know what that is yet, right? but I feel like that's the way it works a lot of the time. So you will never question like your path that, you know, I didn't do it the way I should have because it all worked out. And it all works out for a reason, usually. So yeah, and and like you're saying about all these things that you should be doing, when we're entrepreneurs, we tend to surround ourselves by other entrepreneurs, whether it's people we know, books we're reading, podcasts we're listening to, and so we're constantly hearing all these ideas about what we should be doing, what we need to be trying, and what we forget is any one thing that we do is a step forward. So. We got to get out of our heads about all the other things. Write them down in a book somewhere so you have the idea for when you need more activity. But we can't beat ourselves up when you're working a nine to five job or a, you know, maybe it's an eight to seven job. You know, you're working all these hours and then you're still trying to work your hustle. You have to be okay with remembering that every day it's a step forward. I I, I write in my notebook on my to do list. My goal is to do one thing every day to move my business forward. Um, some days that's an Instagram post. Some days it's recording a podcast. Some days it's putting a big proposal together for a, a company. But if I can just do one thing a day to move my business forward, then I can let go of beating myself up that I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I didn't get on the path someone else is, else is on. That's great advice. I think I try and I emphasize try to live by the same code where I try to do something every day to kind of like push what I'm doing forward. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier said than done when you have a nine to five job. And like last week I had a bizarre day that just totally sapped the energy out of me. And, you know, it's, it's tough, but mm -hmm. in order to move forward with what your passion is and what your goals are, you almost have to just be like, all right, I know you're tired, but do do something. Click post on right. the picture and you get something. Yeah. So I love that attitude from you. And, and also, I would also add that uh, some days we have to remember that resting and recharging is an action that is a step forward and giving yourself permission to say, you know what, today I need to get my mental space in the right place. And I need to take that time today so that tomorrow I can take a bigger step forward. And that is very good advice too, because I'll tell you this podcast. So I posted in the group that we wound up meeting in back in January. It was January 6th, I think. And we are now doing this episode in June, June 1st. Mm -hmm. And that tells you just how much I've been spacing everything out because if I would have gotten, I don't know how many, it was a lot of responses. If I would have just lumped all that in to like a two or three week period, I, I mean, that, that would have been absolutely horrible. I would probably still be sleeping. Like right. it was just, that's just way too much. So I, in the spirit of what you're saying, I, I totally believe in, pacing yourself, getting the rest that you need, because that's very important too. Yeah, definitely. And I remember the first couple of times I started actually putting it on my to-do list, I would just put rest because I knew what I used to do was I would be the guy that would push hard 
without stopping, without taking a break. And then I would hit a wall and my break would be two weeks. And I'm just like, I'm not getting anything done. And then I had to like get back up and start going again. And then I felt like I was pulling everything together. So now I'm a little bit more aware. I still, I have a little, some work to do, but I'm a little bit better about saying, okay, this week on Wednesday, I'm going to take four hours to just kind of rest, relax, go for a hike. And then maybe, you know, Sunday morning, I have some time set aside and just setting aside those pockets of time to keep my batteries charged as I go. So you said a lot about the fork in the road of your life. And to a degree, it sounded a lot like something I went through about four or five years ago. I was given uh, the opportunity to take a buyout package from a company I was with for 10 years. I decided to take it. But then I kind of figured out, okay, I'm not able to get a job on the level that I had before. I'm contracting and everybody wants me for my technical skills. They don't want me necessarily as a manager. I don't know why, because I was fantastic, but I digress. Mm -hmm. I basically, over that course of time, I felt like, you know, I really want to do something that fulfills me a little bit more. And that's when this journey for me started to come together. And I feel like little by little, piece by piece, as I put content out, I had a blog and then I started meeting people who encouraged me. I started a podcast. I started posting video content and et cetera, et cetera. The confidence just grew and grew and grew and grew. How did you go from, okay, I'm not necessarily living the life I think I should be. I'm getting real with myself. I'm going to build myself up to where I think I should be and what I want to be and what I want to do. What was that process like for you? How did you build what you have now? You know, that's, that's a really good question, Mark. Uh, as I got started, it, it started by just knowing I was unsettled and knowing that something had to change. And originally I didn't know what that vision was. And, and I, I had countless meetings and conversations with people. And one guy I was talking with who is a business coach and he, he said, well, what's, what's your vision and what's your mission? And when those two are aligned, things really come together. And I thought, well, I kind of know a little bit about this for my mission. This is what I want to do. I can, I can kind of picture my vision, but I wasn't there. It wasn't lined up. And that for me took a couple of years. It took a few years to go through, you know, who are the people that, that I want to inspire? Who needs to hear my story? And what parts of my story are the parts that are important to share and are, you know, really bring value. And I guess, you know, when I started, it was just more of a frustration of I'm not doing life the way I want to do it. And I know that if I, if I stay in that path, I'm going to feel the same way for as long as I can. And I'm going to, you know, my, the rest of my life is going to be just kind of mundane. And I remember after I got divorced and I was trying to bring my business together and I was doing anything from yard work to Uber and Lyft driving to pay the bills and, and get by. And I remember a moment where I was explaining to somebody that when I was in middle school, I had more expendable income than I had at that point in my life because I was making a few hundred bucks a week or a month, depending on the week. And, and I also didn't have any bills yet. I didn't have a car payment. I didn't have, I didn't have to pay for insurance or gas or anything. So I had all this money because I'm mowing lawns and all sorts of stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, I had more money then than I do now, but I was happier than ever because I was pursuing something that I knew was the right thing. And it just sort of started to come together. I guess when, when you see that, like, like you had that fork in the road where why aren't people giving me credit for how good I was as a manager? And, and we forget that uh, people don't see all the sides of us that we don't project. And if we do even put it out there, then they're taking our word for it. And that's hard to bring people across to. And so at some point you have to kind of walk away from putting your happiness in your life in someone else's hands where it's like, well, you know what, they might not believe in what I'm doing, but I'm still going to put a podcast out there. I'm still going to get this out in the world. And the people that believe me and that support me and that, that 
want to hear it will listen. And that's who needs to, that's who I need to have around anyway. I totally agree. And one thing that I really, that really resonated with me as you were talking is you became happier as you dug into all of this and yourself and just really, you know, discovering you and being the real, true, authentic you. And I feel like for me, I kind of went through the same thing, except just over more of like a 10-year period, you know? I had a period where I was like, okay, I need to change like the type of people that I'm surrounded by and really kind of like reinvent who I am and what I am and what my life is. And the past 10 years or so of my life, I'm just, you know, transforming and saying, okay, I, I am going to try being a speaker. I am going to try to write. I am going to put the right people in my life. I've never been happier. And I think sometimes people don't always understand that I, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's not for everybody, but I feel like the more authentic and the more honest I've been with myself, the happier I've been. Like the more honest life I've lived, the better life has been. Oh, definitely. I will tell you that uh, since I was able to be myself, since I you know, came out, and it's not just about coming out of the closet, but that was the thing that held me back was not being comfortable being myself. And it was in more ways than just the one thing because it was a lack of confidence. And I would, I would go to work reading self-help books. When I would show up, I would think things like, okay, I need, to, I need to dress a certain way because that's how leaders dress. I need to address things a certain way. What happened was as I realized how much energy I was spending on kind of faking it or trying to be someone else, I wasn't trying to be fake, but I was trying to make myself the person that I thought I needed to be. So it wasn't authentic. And what I, what I like to remind people is if you're, how much of your energy is that taking up? Is it taking 30% or 50% or 60% of your energy to live a certain way and remember how you're supposed to act and be all the time? Well, that's 30 to 60% of your energy that's coming away from you living your best life and being successful. And I would rather, which I, now that I figured it out, it's easy to say, but I would rather spend 100% of my energy on doing the things that I want to be, being with the people I want to be, and pursuing growing my business and, and my own success. And, and I don't just say success, meaning, uh, you know, for me, success, a successful life isn't just wealth and fame and living by the ocean. It's happiness and spending time with family and friends and having that ability and that freedom to do so. So whatever you define a successful, happy life as, that's what I'm talking about. But giving up on faking it, like you, like, you said, as soon as you can do that, it's so freeing and you don't even, it sounds like, I, I feel like I'm preaching some made up religion that when I say it, because I'm so excited about it, but I, but it's just one of those things you have to experience to really understand completely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes, but I think I can certainly kind of relate to an extent because I know for me, being a little more of like my quirky self or being a little more of an optimist or being very open-minded about the world we're living in, it wasn't really, um, it was kind of frowned upon where I came from. So I feel like letting all of that go and saying, you know what, I, I don't even care if I have no friends or anything, this is who I want to be. This is the life I want to live. I am a little quirky. I, you know, am a little more of an optimist. I am crazy enough to put myself out there and create a podcast and mm -hmm. do some of the things I've been doing over the past few years. And it has been totally freeing. Like, I feel like the way of the world it's off my shoulders. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times, you know, we tell a joke and the room doesn't laugh 
And unfortunately, the reaction that we usually take is that we need to find a joke that that room will appreciate instead of finding a room that will appreciate our jokes. And once we, if we keep telling our jokes that we're true to or, or living our life, we will attract those people. And pretty soon we'll be in a room of people that are laughing at our jokes. And un unfortunately, what we do too often is we try to change who we are to impress everybody out there. And then you're just not happy because you're spending all this time trying to find the right joke that someone's going to laugh at. Well, speaking of telling jokes, I am curious to know in your journey along the way, you decided that you were going to give uh, being a comedian a shot. Tell that story a little bit and how that evolved. Well, I, so one of my, uh, one of my best friends and, and work wife at the time, uh, she had been encouraging me to do stand-up comedy. She kept saying, oh, you're funny. You're funny. You should do stand-up. And I was still married at the time, which wasn't really the way our relationship was. It wasn't good for me to go try other things. It was just, you know, stay in your box. So I never did. And, and I used to tell her, I'm not get on stage funny. I'm break room funny. There's a difference. I can, I can make jokes, you know, mimic the boss, make us laugh in that way, but I can't see myself getting on stage. Well, when it got to the point where I was, knew I was going to start doing motivational speaking and I was going to be getting on stage in a different way. I thought I needed to challenge myself to be in front of a crowd in a position that was something other than a sales presentation, a business review, or a training. I was very comfortable speaking in front of an audience, but in a very controlled setting. And so I decided that I would sign up for stand-up comedy just to give it a try and see how I can work in a room that's in a different way than being in a corporate environment. And what happened was I got on stage that first time and I remember getting off the stage thinking, uh, that was not horrific, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. I, you know, I got blinded by the lights. I couldn't see my timer on my phone. I forgot half my set, but I heard a couple laughs. So then I thought if I don't sign up again right away, I will never do this again. So I, I didn't tell any of my friends I was going to do it anymore because I had some friends come to the first one. I thought, I'm just going to work through this on my own. So I started going a few more times and just practicing and getting more comfortable with it. But I ended up falling in love with it and absolutely just enjoying comedy so much. And now, I'm, now my challenge is I have my comedy, which is a little bit edgy. It's, not, it's a little off-brand for what I put out there in the world. You know, it's, it's how comedy can be. So now my challenge is to bring some of my comedy more to the clean side. So when I do motivational speaking, I, I do pull some humor into my motivational speaking, but I want it to be more one succinct message, but that's part of the awkwardness too, but, but it's been a lot of fun. Are there any comedians that have influenced you? You know, I don't know if I'd say uh, influenced as much as I've always appreciated comedians who can find the everyday things that, we pass by and we see, and then they can take it to a whole different level as far as why do we call it this? Why, why do we do that? Uh, you know, I, I've really enjoyed anything from, you know, Jerry Seinfeld and um, Bill Burr to a lot of local comedians or some of the, some of the old, older comedians like uh, Louis Anderson or, you know, Joan Rivers when she was around. And I, I like to see a variety and I can, I can appreciate all sorts of comedy, but the, the stuff that I really have a lot of respect for is when you can take a pencil and do a five minute set about, you know, the workings of a pencil and, and make it funny. And it's an everyday item. That's, that's uh, a special talent right there. Well, it's certainly a special talent to take being a comedian as far as you have. So that's amazing. You've been making me laugh a whole hour so i mean you definitely got a talent well thank so, you uh one thing that i haven't really gotten into is the evolution of on your awkward and awkward career so we know that you had a bit of a fork in the road you reinvented yourself and it sounds to me like all these things that you're doing the speaking the offering being a comedian it's all kind of like your brand and your package but how did you come up with such an awesome uh brand like where do you think the roots of this 
company uh, come from? You know, Mark, it's, it's definitely been an evolution. And when I, when I look back at where I thought it would be, if you would have asked me five years ago when I was starting to kind of take this to the next level, I, I, I don't know that I would have given you the vision of what you see today. Because originally, I thought, I'm going to be an author. I've always wanted to write a book. I need to do that. And when we get into entrepreneurship, we forget there are two different sets of things that we have to deal with. One is the talent and the skill that you have that sets you apart, that that's, that's what you want to be doing, because that's what you're passionate about, right? For me, it was writing and speaking. And then, but you have the other side, which is the business of that, that area that you want to get into, right? So you know, maybe you're a really good chef, but do you understand the business of running a restaurant? Can you manage a staff? Can you write a schedule? Can you deal with the finances? And I think that's where we run into a lot of heartache in, entrepreneur, in, in entrepreneurship is that we, we have this passion and we feel like it should be easy because I'm a good cook, because I'm a good chef. Opening a restaurant should be no big deal for me because I'm really talented in one area or whatever it is. And when I got started, I initially wanted to, to be an author and write a book. And I realized it was going to take me a long time to finish the book that I was working on. And so as I was researching the business of being an author, I started to understand more that most authors make more of their income on speaking. And so then I thought, okay, well, I need, I, I've wanted to do that too, but I didn't see that as a career path. So now I need, so then I, so I switched. I went, well, it's, I'm going to still work on the book, but I'm going to start pushing the speaking opportunities. And then as I started researching the business of speaking, I realized that most speakers get their gigs because they've written a book. So I thought, well, I need to get the book finished. And they just kind of, it was this back and forth thing. But the whole time, the message has been the same. The, the, you know, it's all about helping people. It's all about finding out where your weakness is or what your perceived weakness is, and then making that your superpower. And, you know, I had layered in the podcast because I wanted to have, I wanted to share people's stories and not just have it be about me. I wanted to find out where other people are coming from and have my audience get to hear that perspective. So it just continued to evolve from, you know, originally being focused on writing to then incorporating speaking and then the podcasting and the comedy is something that anytime someone hears I'm a comedian, they want to talk about that. So I just can't let it go. It's like, okay, well, that's going to come along for the ride. And then I added in coaching because I had people who I was helping who said, why aren't you doing this professionally? Why aren't you helping people? Because you're so good at identifying problems, think, thinking differently about it. So then I layered in coaching and it got to the point where when people would ask, what do you do? I'm like, ah, I've, I don't know what to say. I've got all these things. And that's when I started to really understand that my brand had to have a clear message, a clear branding. And I really started to focus at that point on the own your awkward line. That was the name of the podcast. That's what always gets the most attention. And that is really at the heart of everything that I speak and write about is about owning that. And so that's, that's kind of how it evolved, but it was kind of every few months or a year, as I started to understand the business side of what I was passionate about, I then had to, to take a step back and look at how do I now set myself up to make this, this thing that I'm passionate about, act like a business in a way that is generating re revenue, that the brand is becoming an asset that I can easily speak to what I offer to people. Well, one thing I want to make you feel a little bit better about, I'm going to own my own awkward and tell you I've been working on a book for like 20-some years and really didn't actually start writing it till like four or five years ago. And I have a long way to go. Writing a book is not an easy thing, especially when you've got like a nine to five job you're getting up at three in the morning and you're doing a podcast on top of all that. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Like this is like the second or third time he's mentioned this feel better. <laughs> I too have a book that is very much unfinished. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely happens. Uh, you know, the, the, la the first time I was able to finish writing a book, 
I realized that I had several started and I, I had this feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm a starter, not a finisher. Like, am I, am I ever going to get anything done? And I was beating myself up about not getting things done. And I realized it was because I was starting too many projects. So now I, I just plug away at it. But when I, whenever I have an idea for a new book, I won't let myself start it until I finish something that was already on the list because I, I was kind of hoarding ideas, if you will. It was like, I was have this idea, I'd get it started and then I would never actually finish it. And I would feel very unsuccessful. And once I started, for me, the first book that I really finished, I, I realized that I had to decide if that was a priority. And if it was, then I needed to dedicate time to it. And that's what made the difference for me. And, and not that you need to do that now with everything you have on your plate, but at some point when you want to, it'll come together. And like you said, it's a long process. You have to have the ideas and the vision and, and the time. Well, my wife gave me the kind of advice that you're trying to put out there, which is, I think she started to pick up that I was like, oh, I got this idea. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to post video content. I'm going to make a podcast. She's like, look, you need to just stick to one idea. Pick, pick an idea. I don't care what you do. Just pick something. Stick with it. Like, work really hard on it and build it up and then do something else. And yeah. I listen to my wife because she's a very smart lady. And I put the book and everything else, I, the 10 million things I was doing, the, the, hoarding, the hoarded ideas, and just said, you know what? I'm going to stick to this. Let's build it up. And I think that was great advice by her. Yeah, that's, that's really smart because uh, I know that I, I have a focus issue. When I quit one of my last jobs, my boss just said on my last day, just Andy, whatever you do, stay focused. I'm like, it's like, dang it. She knows me. I mean, she's been my <laughs> boss for a couple of years. We're close. We're friends. But I, th I thought about that all the time because it's one of those, you know, know yourself kind of moments where I do that. And I think we do it a lot where we see the path that other people are on. And we see that they're maybe a little further ahead than us on the path and they have some success. And all of a sudden we think we need to jump to their path because we must be on the wrong path, but we might switch path pathways when we're 20 feet from the goal. And we just didn't see it because there was a bush in the way. It was right around the corner. And now we're starting back at the beginning of someone else's path instead of just pushing through on what we're doing and making a note that maybe that's a journey we want to take later. It doesn't mean it has to be never, but let's not give up all the progress that we've made. I couldn't agree more. I, I love everything you're saying. And we are actually getting a little short on time here. So one thing I want to ask before we get into how people can contact you, I want to ask, so you've owned your awkward, you got an awkward career going. What's next for your business? Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be taking some things to the next level and I'm actually planning a, a road trip across the country, which is going to be not until 2025, but I'm planning a year long road trip in order to ask Americans what their awkward is all the way around the country. And so I'm, I'm actually putting in a lot of prep work right now on that, but basically my, my next steps I've got, I just finished the book that I, I, I launched, it's Own Your Awkward Life Changes. So it's all about change and how to make the most out of change. So I've been promoting that, but I'll be, I'll basically be doing everything I can to take the brand from the level it's at right now to a bigger stage because right now I'm helping people. I love it, but I want to get more people's messages out there. I want to amplify it even more to where it's a movement. And when you hear about it, you know what it is as a household name, because everybody's just excited to share their story. So That is a brilliant idea. I bet that will go very well. So I'm looking forward to following that part of your journey and really your whole journey. Your whole journey is amazing, inspiring, and so interesting. I love your brand. I love the thought behind it. I think it's fantastic. So I wish you all the best on all of that. And speaking of all the best, why don't you tell us 
how we can find you, work with you, laugh with you. How can we how can we find Andy Vargo on social media? Perfect. Thank you, Mark. So you can find me all over social media in the internet. My handle is Awkward Career on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, like all the places. Um, you can you can just hit at Awkward Career. You'll find me, uh, or just Google Andy Vargo or Own Your Awkward, and I'll pop up. And if you go to awkwardcareer.com, I'd love to have a chat with you. Just say you know. There's an easy link there to just have a quick discovery call and it'll ask if you're looking for coaching or if you're just looking for networking or whatever. I'm just happy to meet people and get to know them. So. And in some cases, just look for the guy who's got the own your awkward revealed like he's a superhero. So, <laughs> right. Which I love. I, your, your branding is so good. I, I love it. So I, I feel like I can, I can learn something from you. So... Or at least I'm trying. No, I, I appreciate that. And I really loved hearing more about your story today because uh, we all have our thing. We all have that moment. And that's that's why we're here is to make the world a better place in whatever way we can. And, and I love being part of your message. Well, I loved having you here. You're a great fit for this show all around. It was a fun almost hour. And I appreciate your time. And that is it for this episode of Mark My Words. This was Andy Vargo, Own Your Awkward, Awkward Career. If it's awkward, he's there. So I thank you very much for being on the show. I'm Mark Schmidt. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Thanks and bye for now. Bye.